Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with my friend, Alan Fares. Alan, how are you, sir? I'm wonderful. Thanks hey, for thanks. inviting me. Well, absolutely, man. Thanks for being here. You got the uh, got the royal purple on today, so I can right. uh, feeling like royalty. And uh, looking forward to having a great conversation with you today. But uh, before we do that, I want to ask Elevate Nation the question of the hour, the question of the day. Are you ready to take it to another level? Because I know I am, and this is the show where our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And this is a show where we're going to talk about mindset, we're going to talk about habits, we're going to talk about routines, we're going to talk about a systematic blueprint, you know, towards creating a real estate portfolio and, and creating anything that you want in your life, you know, tools, strategies, whatever you may be. But, you know, Alan's the type of guy who is elevating to a life without limits really before our eyes. And so we want to distill that today and we want to, you know, break that down so everybody listening can do the same for themselves. And, you know, this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results and purposeful outcomes through real estate investing and ultimately in their lives. And, uh, you know, give us a subscribe, subscribe to the show, give us a rating, you know, five-star rating would be super grateful. A review specifically of what are you getting? What sort of feedback? Uh, what are you applying in your own life? that's making a difference for yourself. So uh, with that said, I want to go ahead and introduce you to Alan. Alan Ferris has devoted over 12 years to the real estate industry. He owns office and self-storage property and has been extensively involved in transactions representing a wide range of product types, such as single family, multifamily, industrial, office, retail shopping centers, land and self-storage. From a real estate brokerage to a real, to real estate ownership, his extensive knowledge of real estate is the product of such a wide variety of real estate experiences. Alan currently serves as the president and founder of Premier Storage Partners, a private equity company in Columbus, Ohio, specializing in the raising of debt and equity to acquire self-storage properties throughout the Midwest. Alan holds the prestigious CCIM designation, Certified Commercial Investment Member, and served as the 2016 President of OCRE, Ohio Commercial Real Estate Exchangers. He is also a CSSM, a Certified Self-Storage Manager, and holds an Ohio real estate license and has since 2010. So with that said, Alan, uh, it's great to have you on the show, man, and uh, it's crazy that we we met several years ago through CCIM and uh, really kept in touch ever since. And, um, you know, with that said, you know, introduce yourself to Elevate Nation. Who is Alan Fares, the man behind the bio? Man, I don't realize how long those bios are till you're reading it out <laughs> loud, you know? I know. I know. <laughs> it's a little ridiculous sometimes. Well, you're a self-centered guy. I mean, what can you right. say? Right? Jeez. <laughs> right. Oh, the man behind the bio? Well, uh, I'd say first and foremost, I'm a father and a husband, you know, I have two boys, a uh, two and a half year old and a five and a half year old. Got to get the half in there, the five and a half. I was going to say, can't, gotta I can't know say that. he's five because he'll correct me. So uh, <laughs> that's awesome. growing and uh, a husband, that's kind of the driving force behind what I do. Um, but as far as a little bit of background, you know, I uh, didn't start off in the real estate industry. I uh, really started out in, um, the auto industry, I would say. Um, I was in uh, 
worked for a BMW dealer as on the service side. I used to work on cars. I um, worked as a service advisor for many years. And while I was working there, um, I would buy rental property on the side, kind of a side hustle, right? So I'm working 40, 50 hours a week, sometimes 60 hours a week at the dealership. And at the same time, I'm managing some residential rentals on the side. So some, I was picking up some houses, some duplexes, fourplexes, things like that. This is back over 10 years ago. Um, so eventually I was just like, man, I, I really don't want to work at this dealership business anymore. <laughs> I'm flipping houses on the side and buying these, this rental portfolio. So I quit cash in the 401k and just went all in in real estate. This is back before the downturn, um, a little over 10 years ago. And, um, weathered the downturn, uh, definitely took some, uh, took some licks, um, through the downturn like everybody did. And, um, you know, I got my real estate license in 2010, uh, selling residential real estate, um, and also selling a lot of investment real estate, eventually moved into the commercial side of things. And that's when I pursued my CCM designation. So it uh, took a couple of years, got my designation, um, really just wanted to learn as much as I could about the real estate industry. I was so hungry for information. And, and when you're starting off, it's really hard to find information out there that's legit and really teach you practical tools that you can use. And the CCIM Institute really uh, uh, provides great education. So got my designation and just full focus on commercial real estate, um, you know, for six, seven years now and um, got into ownership of some office property. And then really I wanted to get more into ownership and out of brokerage um, was my whole goal. You know, selling real estate for other people um, was fun and exciting at first, but then after a while, kind of, you know all about this, I'm sure it, it, it drags on you a little bit. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hours. You're running, um, just chasing your tail deal after deal. You know, you sell a deal, you get paid, but you basically just got fired and now you got to go get rehired again through somebody. You got to find another client, another prospect, another deal so you can get paid again. And your, your pay is just comes in waves throughout the year. And the key is keeping your pipeline full, right? So it's always a challenge of every broker is pound on the phones, pound the pavement, trying to keep your pipeline full. And I just got, I was reaching a point where I just didn't want to do that anymore. And, you know, had starting to have kids, um, you start to realize that you want to, you know, want to build a legacy of some sort. And I'm not going to do that when I'm, by selling real estate for other people, at least in my opinion, I don't think I'm going to. So um, I was like, well, I really want to get into real estate in a big way. And I want to raise money from other people because I don't have a lot of money myself to buy these properties, but I can raise money and I know how to put the deals together. I know how to analyze deals, um, how to find them and things. So um, educated myself on how to syndicate deals, took some classes through with Gene Trowbridge, who I know you've had on the show, um, been to a couple of his courses, uh, CCIM puts on a class that he teaches. And um, after that, after I learned how to put deals together from an equity perspective, uh, I needed to decide what do I want to go after. So I, really, I picked self-storage, um, mostly because it's a very resilient asset class during economic shifts, which we're experiencing one downtown uh, right now at the time of this recording, <laughs> the whole yeah. COVID-19 thing going on. Um, but so I, I want an asset class that was resilient. I also wanted something that I could automate with technology and um, where I didn't have to have a lot of employees. So we started buying self-storage. We're closing our first one January of 18. And we just closed on our seventh property 
couple of weeks ago, we have over 1,100 units now, and that's really what we're focused on. We manage them ourselves. Um, so that's really where I'm at right now. So. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's amazing. Uh, I appreciate you kind of bringing us full circle, at least from a professional sense, you know, from, you know, over a decade ago to now. And one thing that I think is super interesting, and obviously it's relevant to today, is that it looks like, at least, that we're entering the next cycle, right? And mm -hmm. everyone says, hey, you know what? Economic cycles are cyclical and it is what it is. You've got the, you know, you've got an expansion, you've got a mature cycle, and then you've got sort of a, a drawback potentially. And, you know, as that circle goes. And so, um, you know, I'd be interested, you know, to kind of dive a little bit deeper in terms of, you know, as you mentioned, you were kind of getting your footing, you know, during sort of 10 years ago or, you know, 11 years ago during the initial sort of the, the great recession, you know, the financial crisis, mm -hmm. you took your licks, right. And now, you know, kind of coming into perhaps this next cycle that we're all still uncertain about, you know, how are you, how are you looking at this and what sort of wisdom did you draw from your experiences 10 years ago plus to how are you going to act now with that sort of uh, understanding? Well, I think uh, definitely learned um, some tough lessons, you know, back to the last recession. I think it will definitely help us weather this one much better. Um, but just a couple quick lessons, you know, number one, when you buy a property, uh, you know, fund a reserve account, you know, no matter how, even if the property is fully occupied, performing well, you don't think you're going to need reserves. It doesn't need any CapEx. Well, you should still fund a reserve account. <laughs> um, what that reserve number looks like is up to you, but um, you know, we, we've done that with all of our deals um, just to help weather storms. Yeah. Um, another one, just be perceived cautiously, you know, don't be too aggressive um, with valuations over the past couple of years. Valuations have been getting a little crazy. Yeah. Um, and it's easy to get caught up in the mix um, if you get in the middle of a bidding war with other buyers and it drives the price up and you just want the deal so bad so you, you go into contract on it, you know, staying away from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our strategy is to go after off-market deals um, so we don't get in bidding wars with buyers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing like over the past several years has been like, man, it just keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter, mm -hmm. you know, and I do, I do primarily multifamily and especially in that asset class, it's like, man, cap yeah. rates continue to get more compressed. And then you look at the interest rate environment that continues to get compressed as well, which creates even more spread and sort of valuations just continue to rise. And it's so interesting because, you know, two weeks ago, and obviously we're, we're, we're sitting here talking on March 25th, you know, mm -hmm. 2022 weeks ago, the sentiment was, man, we've got another five to seven years of this run. And, uh, or, or the new normal is, you know, corrections is not, uh, is not something that we expect, you know, which is crazy because yeah. everybody has such a short term memory. And, you know, I just also read a book called the black swan, which many of the listeners may be aware of. And, you know, I think the the lesson, at least that I glean from this, is that you've got to expect the unexpected, right? And yeah. uh, I mean, nobody, no, not even the best economists on the planet could have predicted what we're dealing with now. And obviously, there were predictions that you know, a coronavirus could sort of impact you know global health as a pandemic. But I don't think anyone mm -hmm. expected it to be like what it is now in terms of 
just, you know, the circulation of the economy just purely stopping. So, you know, what you're saying is, you know, hey, look, you know, proceed cautiously. You fund mm-hmm. a reserve account and what be be prepared to weather a storm. So from a philosophical standpoint, in addition to a real estate sort of practical standpoint, right? I mean, how else, what else would you say, you know, are other ways to just prepare yourself to, you know, deal with the unexpected? Well, I, uh, you know, I go to Oak Creek, the Ohio commercial real estate exchangers, and we had a, uh, like a round table discussion probably four or five months ago about this. And I brought up the topic of, Hey, the market's doing great. And, no matter what economists you talk to, they, everybody thinks there's going to be some sort of a market correction coming. Nobody knows when. I mean, we know it's coming. It could be next week. It could be three years or four years or five years. So my question to the group was, how can you prepare your business? And just not your business, but how can you prepare your family and your personal life and insulate yourself from um, a major market correction? Because we just don't know how big it's going to be, especially when you're talking to a group of real estate professionals, a lot of them are agents, brokers, you know, and they're they're living deal to deal sometimes. Yeah. And when those deals dry up, that spigot shuts off. What's, what are you left with? You know, you're left with nothing. You're in the unemployment line. (laughs) So um, some of the strategies that we talked about were, you know, personally paying off some of that revolving debt, getting rid of that stuff, paying off equity lines, um, maybe even paying off some car debt, just trying to get semi debt free personally as much as you can. Are you someone who's seriously looking to elevate your life, your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal opportunities, your access to opportunities, your network this year? Well, if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com because I'm currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be and really you know, expand that beyond your wildest dreams and explode your business, explode your deal opportunities, explode your vision for what you're looking to create. If that's you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I really have to tell you that this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive. They're committed. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to get to where they want to be and to live a life without limits, to elevate to a life without limits, which is really what we're all about on this show. If that is you, again, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. Um, that's great. Yeah. Well, I think that there's good debt and bad debt, right? Obviously, right. we love leverage from a real estate perspective, but then also, you know, what what kind of break even do you have there? I mean, mm-hmm. because obviously in these type of circumstances, I mean, you know, we still haven't seen the employment impact, you know, to this point, perhaps by the time the show comes out, you know, maybe we're going to look like idiots because the, <laughs> the numbers are going to be uh, clearly understood. But, you know, the, the question now is, all right, you know, obviously from a personal perspective, how can you be smart financially? How can you get rid of some bad debt that most people, you know, if you've got a depreciating asset such as a, mm-hmm. a vehicle or otherwise that you're paying interest on, obviously that would probably be categorized as bad debt in certain ways. Right. And of course there's a time and a place and I'm not a financial sort of analyst or, or someone to, to recommend what someone should do from their own financial perspective, but everybody's got to make those decisions. But from a real estate standpoint, mm-hmm. you know, how did you look at, you know, your overall portfolio in terms of preparing to weather this type of storm? Did you say, all right, well, we've got a break even of 75% occupancy, therefore we feel comfortable with our leverage or how did you look at that? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, we, we just looked at our portfolio and, you know, self-storage has uh, the, the break-even is, is great on self-storage. is pretty low, you know, 50% or so is or break-even occupancy on most properties that we own between 50 and 60 compared to most other asset classes are much higher than that. So we're already sitting pretty good from a break-even standpoint. That's what I always look at as worst-case scenario. Every deal I look at, I always look at the break-even or what. Can I pay the mortgage? Can I pay the taxes, insurance, and at least keep this thing limping along? That's that's the goal. So I always look at the break even. Yeah. Um, reserves is huge. Looking at our debt. Um, so any debt that we got on new deals, um, I wanted them to be fixed or at least long term debt. I didn't want to have to be stuck in the middle of trying to refinance while we're in the middle of a recession. And I think that's huge right there. Um, you would try to lock in 10 year debt when you can mm-hmm. or longer just so you don't have to worry about it. Uh, maybe the interest rate resets every five years, but you, you're not going to be forced to go to the market and try to refinance. And if you can't refinance, then you're forced selling um, in a possible down market. Um, you don't want to do that. So locking yeah. in good debt. Yeah, it's huge. And the other thing that I've noticed, at least in this circumstance, that's unique is that we're all kind of in the same situation. Whereas, you know, it seems that different cycles, perhaps it, it reveals bad decisions that people have made. And, and then, you're, you know, so everybody's kind of in a situation now where it's like, hey, you know what, the the job market overall, you know, businesses from a you know large, you know, degree are impacted severely. And at least from a multifamily perspective, you know, most owners are saying, wow, we're, we're a little bit concerned as to how April and May are going to shake out, you know, because mm-hmm. of the fact that we rely on, you know, job growth, employment, and opportunities for tenants to really, you know, fulfill their obligations when it comes to shelter and when it comes to, you know, the rest of their, you know, their, their, their obligations there, whether it's food, whatever. And so I'd be curious to know, you know, how is this situation, or at least how would you perceive this situation to be impacting self-storage? So far, you know, being only a couple of weeks into it, um, self-storage, we're doing well. I mean, with this COVID-19 issue that we're up against right now, they've forced colleges to go to remote learning or just shut down completely. And that's given us a flood of new customers to all of our facilities, essentially, Um, because students are leaving for um, the summer, basically, at this point, uh, and going back home. Uh, So it just kind of accelerated that timeline uh, for us. And I think it's also making our existing customer base stay put. If they were thinking about moving, um, I don't think they're going to do that right now. I think they're going to stay put till this thing blows over. It could last a couple weeks or it could last six months or more. I mean, no one has the answers, all different kinds of opinions out there. But yeah. so I think overall right now it's helped us. We've had to make some adjustments. There were a few facilities we were getting ready to do some rent increases on. So we've stopped that. Um, we've deferred late fees for many customers. Uh, we're going to pull back on um, our auction sales of some units that we we're going to auction, just trying to proceed cautiously and not yeah. try to work with people uh, right now and because we just don't know where this is going to go at this point. Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to kind of close the loop on the thought I had earlier was really, it's just about like right now it's, it's about how, how strong are the relationships that you have, you know, how, how, you know, obviously how wise are you and how cautious do you proceed? But then also, are you communicating with your lender? Are you communicating whether you're managing the property yourself? Are you communicating with, 
your tenants, with your residents, with the occupants of your asset, in addition to, hey, look, are we having discussions with our lenders to say, you know what, here's something that we're potentially anticipating, and here's how we'd like to deal with this if for some reason we have some revenue collection issues. And that's why I said, like, we're all in this together. And it's like, you know, if we can communicate, if we can recognize, hey, you know what, I'm somebody who's, we're going to make this right. We've just got to figure out a short-term issue because it seems like that's what we're really dealing with more than anything is a short-term issue. Yeah. And that's the lesson I learned, you know, during the last recession was to get out in front of the problem. And yeah, um, talking about lenders, I talked to all of our lenders today, actually, all of them, and just said, you know, hey, uh, here's a situation, obviously. Um you yeah. know, but you know, we're going fine. Everything's fine right now, but yeah. I just want to see what options there are, you know, in the event that something's not fine. For and sure. We went through that with all of our lenders. They're all very open to working with us and, you know, so if we need it. So yeah, you got to get out in front of the problem. Well, I would totally recommend everybody just communicate in this circumstance, yeah. you know, give a call to your, to your bank, to your lender, to your, you know, your provider there and just look at the options. I know that, um, you know, the government sponsored entities of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have, you know, issued a statement today that they are, you know, they're willing to, you know, offer forbearance for, you know, 30, 60, 90 days to some of the, you know, the operators that, that service really their debt, you know, through multifamily properties, because they're anticipating this to be sort of something to, you know, they're bracing for impact of, of a, mm-hmm. you know, dip in revenue. So it's just all about communication and being open-minded. You're not going to get out of these payments. I mean, nobody's going <laughs> right. to get scot-free, but you know, um, it's a, just a unique s- situation. And it reminds me that we've always got to be ready to pivot. We've always got to be malleable. And how do we, you know, how are we ready to change and adapt? And so with that said, I mean, what type of opportunities are you seeing on the horizon now as somebody who's adapting and looking for this next phase in the market cycle? Opportunities? Well, um, I mean, we're not going to stop buying. We're always going to be buying. I think once we get through this, uh, the good thing is interest rates, you know, are low, which creates a good opportunity for for cheap money and we're going to keep looking for deals. You know, the deals we look at, a lot of them are off market and uh, it's all about timing when you're working with these property owners. And if the timing's right, we'll pounce and we'll take the deal. But I think we'll hopefully see an uptick a little bit um, in cap rates. Yeah. So we can get some better deals um, overall. It's just getting a little overheated uh, the past couple of years. So I'm hoping to, to see some better deals, but, you don't know if we skyrocket out of this thing over the next couple of months, you know, that might not happen, but uh, yeah, you know, it's yeah. hard to say right now. There's just no crystal ball. We've never been, th- no one alive has been through this. So, no. <laughs> so we're just crazy. taking it day by day. And I think, like you said, communication is key. And um, I just sent an email out to all my investors yesterday. Like, look, here's where we're at. Uh, we're doing good. And, you know, self stores does excellent. Probably the best asset class during, uh, recessionary periods. Um, you know, and I'll, I'm going to stay in communication with you and I'll let you know every couple of weeks what's going on. Just kind of update them to ease them a little bit, to let them know we're doing good right now. Everything's fine. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I know that, um, you know, you are somebody who's super resourceful in terms of, you know, finding opportunities, capitalizing on opportunities and, and, you know, really making them happen. And I mean, the results that you've had over the past, you know, 18 months, so to speak, Mm -hmm. or even less have been absolutely astounding. 
and you've talked about, you know, a lot of off market strategies and, and folks, um, you know, most of the time are looking for more of kind of the retail opportunities. So, I mean, you don't have to give away your secrets here, but just curious <clears throat> me, is there any tips that you'd give to others, whether they're in any commercial real estate asset class of, you know, developing more of a, you know, a unique sort of off market direct to owner uh, mm -hmm. strategy? Yeah. I mean, we've bought properties that are listed too, you know, uh, people say there's no deals on LoopNet. That's where deals go to die. Right. But that's not always necessarily true. Uh, people do overlook deals and everybody operates properties differently. So you, you got to look at them. You just got to look at them. And if it's not a deal, move on, but that's where all the competition is. So I like to go where the competition is not, which is the off market properties. Um, so, I mean, we literally cold call, you know, we deal with self storage. So we're cold calling every owner um, in our target areas and uh, multiple times uh, we send letters, um, whatever we need to do to try to get them on the phone. Mm -hmm. And you have to, it's grunt work and you have to put the effort in yourself, which people don't like to do. Yeah. Um, or you have to hire it out to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And we've, we've done that uh, through virtual assistants. I've had, a virtual assistant for a long time, actually, um, several of them. And that's where I've leveraged my time between cold calls and just processing things that are doing things that I don't want to do, or I know that needs done, but I can have it done for three to five bucks an hour or somebody else. And it frees up my time to go pick my son up from school and take him to a party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't have to do that. Um, so to me, it's about creating a lifestyle and, um, you know, using VAs to leverage your time uh, to find these off-market deals is what we've done. Yeah. Well, the, the thing that strikes me about you is that you've developed a system that works because you can outsource everything and you can hire VAs and you can have this mm -hmm. whole thing set up. But at the end of the day, if it doesn't deliver results, then right. what's it all for? And clearly you've designed the system. So what would you say are, you know, one or two of the most key components of the system that have really been able to drive the results that you've experienced? Uh, probably consistency. Hmm. Um, you know, people will come up with these great ideas or they'll mail letters. They'll go mail 500 letters and they have, you know, two or 3% response rate. They talk to a couple of people and they don't get a deal. So that's the last time they do it. And they say, oh, it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, it does work. You have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. Um, same thing with the cold calling. I mean, even from a brokerage side, if you're trying to get listings or if you're trying to, you know, buy property, you have to call constantly. You don't just leave a message and then never call them ever again. You call yeah. them every day until you get someone on the phone. Um, so that's what we do. It's consistency over time. And even when we talk to somebody and they say, no, I don't want to sell. And sometimes they'll just hang up on us. Um, but that's fine. Um, you know, you, my VA has a very thick skin. He could care less. <laughs> yeah. But you call back six months later. Hey, we talked to you, you know, six months ago. And you said you didn't want to sell. Now all of a sudden they're, they're more receptive for some reason. Well, maybe, you know, they want to move to Florida or something. They don't want this property at this point. Yeah. They don't know how they're going to manage it from afar because they can't figure that out, nor do they want to. So now their life circumstances have changed and they're ready to sell. So it's about timing. The consistency that if you, if you are consistent, then you'll get the timing, I think, because hmm. if you're constantly calling people, mailing letters or meeting prospects, people aren't, aren't always ready to do business with you at that given moment. Right. But if you continue to follow up with them, eventually you're going, you're going to be in alignment with their timing. 
you have to be there. You have to be front of mind and be there when their timing's right. Yeah. And it just reminds me of one of these, you know, phrases of, you know, everybody says, Hey, well, this person just, they got lucky, they're overnight success or whatever. And I, I even just look at you as an example of somebody who I've known for a few years. And I know Mm -hmm. that in the beginning, you probably didn't see as much results as you're starting to see now. And it's starting to compound on itself. Is that, am I making an assumption there? No, that's very true. I mean, it, I decided I want to buy self-storage properties, I think, early 2017. And it took me almost a year to buy one. So we closed on one January of 18. And then, to me, I wanted to close on that and kind of proof of concept. I wanted to operate it for a while to make sure it was going to go the way I thought it was going to go and that we could take care of it. And then, um, so it took six months, let's see, yeah, six months to a year before we got another one. Let's see middle or end of 18 and then 2019 you know we bought like four properties and then this year we've closed on two already so we're up to seven properties total 1100 units so it just like completely moved like a hockey stick <laughs> the growth yeah, that's awesome and it, but it was consistency we never stopped um calling and ever stopped talking to brokers about storage hey i'm looking for storage properties yeah. Um, that's how I got one of the deals because he, he knew that I wanted a storage property and it never hit the market and I was there to buy it. So it's, that's awesome. It's just communicating your vision to people all the time. Consistency with that too, with everything, you know, yeah. um, that's how you get results. People do something one time and they're like, Oh, you're supposed to write your goals down every day. Everybody says you should write your goals down. So I'm going to write my goals down. They do it for two weeks and they're like, well, nothing's happening. So that doesn't work. Right. Well, <laughs> of course it doesn't work. You do it like that. You got you to be consistent. Um, it, it's grit. It's not always fun, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you have to show your faith first before mm-hmm. the results come. You have to continue to give and deposit until you're able to withdraw. At least that's been my experience. And um, it's just a great reminder for us all. It's like whatever you're doing if you've been showing up and you're, you're starting to get impatient, keep going. You know, it's right. like that, that, that story, you know, and, and thinking grow rich where the guy's digging for gold and he's like, <laughs> you know what, forget this. I'm selling my equipment. He sells his equipment and the other guy goes and buys the equipment, digs for two more feet and he hits the gold, the vein of gold, yep. you know, and then he's got everything. He's got everything he wants. And so, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of continue to go, you know, obviously you've got to continue to hone your strategy, hone your process, right? but it is about the compounding effects of consistency. So with that said, I wanted to transition just a little bit uh, and talk about you, Alan, um, just as an individual. I mean, as someone with so much consistency and you've, you know, been sort of consistent, not only over a period of a couple of years, but over the past decade and beyond, I mean, what type of character traits would you say you have or was there was there a moment in time where you said I'm going to be you know consistent I'm going to do whatever it takes and I'm going to toil away when really the results don't show immediately or was that a process or is that just who you are as an individual I mean what tell me about that that's a good question um there wasn't like a moment in time um where I just woke up one day and there's an epiphany epiphany it was more of a process I think of definitely the consistency over the past decade of just being involved in the real estate industry um, constantly one way, shape or form, you know, from residential to brokerage and then into ownership. But um, I think just 
I've all, I've just had this like dissatisfaction uh, for many years, you know, and I'm like, what? this is, I'm not satisfied because I'm chasing my tail. Um, I feel at least that's what it felt like financially for many years, you know? Um, so I think you, I got to a point and I think many people get to a point where they're just fed up. Maybe they get sick and tired of being sick and tired and fe- feeling that way. And it's like, well, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. So you've got to take, uh, massive action. I think if you want to accomplish anything, you have to take massive action and it's got to be on a regular basis, daily action. Um, and that's kind of what I've done over the past you know, number of years to get to where we're at now um, and, and to build up that momentum. Um, the momentum I think is key because once you start getting that momentum, it's easy to pull back a little bit. Um, but you got to be careful because that momentum will fall off and it's hard to get it going again. But once that, when that momentum's going, you have to keep going full steam and keep that momentum going because it's just going to grow and grow. You don't want to die off. It's like a, a fire, you know, you're sitting, it's like a small fire and you're sitting there blowing on it, trying to get it big, big. You just got to keep blowing and blowing and it'll grow, 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 get huge. But if you stop blowing, it's going to go out. So you got to, you have to keep going. You have to keep pushing. And that's, I think that's a character trait is uh, just resilience, resiliency. I love that. I mean, I can totally relate. And, you know, I, I was thinking about a quote that, you know, I'm familiar with and I, I don't remember exactly who it was. It was actually, I think it was one of our founding fathers. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was Thomas Jefferson or somebody like that, but he said, somebody with a wig. what's that? Somebody with a wig, somebody with a wig, somebody on a <laughs> you know, dollar bill somewhere. But, uh, something about dissatisfaction is like the root of all progress or, or something mm-hmm. along those lines. It's probably, you know, I'm probably butchering that quote, but it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, one thing that I think about so frequently is like, you know, let that dissatisfaction drive you. And, mm-hmm. and let it kind of motivate you and inspire you towards what's possible. But then also don't let it fester too much because if you start, if you're just totally dissatisfied and you start to say, you know what, woe is me. And there's, <laughs> you know, life sucks and you start to get the victim mentality rather than the inspired sort of driven mm-hmm. mentality. It can take you in a totally different path. So I'd be curious, you know, as you continue to be, you know, you're still pushing, you're still dissatisfied with something, you're still mm-hmm. looking to seek a, a higher, you know, level of, you know, lifestyle design, as you mentioned a little bit earlier. So I'd be curious, like, is, is your outlook evolving on dissatisfaction to where you enjoy that and you've enjoyed the process? Or are you also like blissfully dissatisfied? Or, or how is that? I mean, does that coexist for you? Can you hold both of those thoughts in your mind at once? Yeah, it'd be tough. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, it's, it could be a slippery slope. Um, I think because <clears throat> I think you, you could spend your life constantly chasing after that thing, whatever that thing is for you, whether that's achieving a certain designation or achieving a certain size balance sheet or a certain size cash flow. Cause once you do achieve it, what you realize is it's not that satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as satisfying as you thought it was going to be. Um, so I think the key for me is just, um, you know, not always wanting to grow, move um, forward, step forward, fall forward and push and grow. But at the same time, just being cautious and making sure I'm not being overzealous, I guess. And just, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. I The thing that I've learned throughout the process is just the growth is the most exciting thing. You right. know, you look back and you see how far you've come and the things you've overcome. You know, you've, you've developed systems, but you've developed a team and you're starting to see that they're willing to push through discomfort. They're mm-hmm. willing to face some things that may not feel, you know, great at the time, but then they realize that, wow, their compounded efforts started to create momentum which then have started to make things a little bit easier. Now they can face on more challenging things. So it's just, it's exciting to lead other people and lead yourself in that fashion, as well as simultaneously design a life, which is why I know you and I love real estate so much Mm -hmm. is because it allows you, you know, to spend time with your kids, to spend time with your wife, your family and build something rather than just chasing your tail. Um, So, you know, with that said, in terms of growth, you know, talk to me about, I mean, how are you investing in yourself now? I'd love to know, how are you growing personally to be somebody who can not only lead a team, but then sort of push beyond the limits of discomfort, you know, as you proceed? Um, personally, I mean, I'm always educating myself. You know, I don't believe that I know everything. <laughs> there's a lot, there's more that I don't know. Um, so yep. I'm always looking to, to educate, to, to educate, you know, whether it's getting on a webinar about self-storage or something unrelated, maybe something in just a general real estate industry or some self-help thing. Um, I'm definitely a big reader, a big audiobook guy. Um, I rarely listen to the radio in the car. Probably for 10 years, I rarely listen to the radio. <laughs> it's always been podcasts and uh, audiobooks. Um, you know, I think I started off with Zig Ziglar CDs, you know, before they had, uh, before, before you could plug your phone into the car, you know, 10 years yeah. ago. <laughs> That's awesome. Um Brian Tracy and those guys. I mean, it's turning your car into a little college basically. Yeah. Um, that's how I've educated myself over the years. Um, no, sure. I think they, um, what do they call that net time? No extra time, you know, cause you, right. you have all these opportunities in your life, whether you're, you know, taking your dog on a walk, whether you're driving mm-hmm. in the office, whatever it is, you're doing some chores, just put the earbuds in or whatever it may be. I mean, there's so many opportunities to learn. There's absolutely no excuse then to have the information. But now, as you mentioned earlier, it's about taking massive action, taking right. action on what you've learned. But then also, you know, the other thing that I've learned at least is that sometimes when you're consciously just you're thinking and then it's like, all right, I need to do this and now I'm going to go and do this. The better way to do it is to create habits in your life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like how can you habitually sort of act? And I'd be curious to know, I mean, are, are there habits that you've consciously created in your life? You know, maybe one or two that have been super impactful that have really kind of tipped the balance for, for other things in your business and in your life? Um, I think I've just developed a habit over the years of um, everybody has, you know, maybe negative thoughts coming in their head about, oh, I, I can't do this or this person said that to me or whatever. But I've developed a habit of immediately shutting that down and replacing it with something positive or something or replacing that thought with some, a thought of something that I want to achieve or something yep. uh, just to keep that, uh, the self, the negative self-talk that everybody goes through will keep you from doing, from achieving what you want to achieve. So for sure, that's a habit that I've developed over the years. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. 
if you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Yeah, especially in times like this, right? Because your yeah. mind, your mind wants to tell you, man, the the world is 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 you know falling off a cliff. Whatever. I mean, like everything yeah. is a disaster. You know, the the economy is crashing. We're going into a depression. Whatever it may be, and so mm-hmm. your mind wants to tell you that you should contract. But right. you know, the question, in my opinion, that you should be asking is, am I in contraction mode or am I in expansion mm-hmm. mode? And, you know, that's a great way to ask your mind a question of, all right, what, what's the solution here rather than what's the problem, you know? Right. Because if you just focus on the problems, it's like, you know, well, that's what you're going to get more of. But if you focus mm-hmm. on more of the solutions, that's where you're going to get more solutions. So, I mean, what other types of empowering questions have you, you know, habitually created in your own mind, so to speak? Empowering questions? Yeah. Just um, curious. I mean, because you're talking about really replacing that inner voice that is, yeah. you know, that is, it, it's kind of a baseline. I mean, that's how human beings are created is for survival, right? We're created right. to keep ourselves safe and the people around us safe. But if we want to get to where we want to go, we've got to get a little bit uncomfortable. So I don't know. I'd be mm-hmm. curious. I mean, maybe there's not any, any questions that you've sort of developed as a baseline, but I was just curious if there had been any beyond uh, just sort of the concepts that you just mentioned? Um, I guess comfort. Uh, so the past year or so, I've tried to avoid comfort <laughs> in a way, uh, just a mental way. Um, I, I just don't believe that you can, if you're always comfortable, you know, physically, mentally, uh, you're not going to grow much at all. It's through the discomfort that we grow, right? It's through doing yeah. 50, 100 push-ups a day that you grow. Uh, you don't do it by laying in bed and hit the snooze four times. Yeah. Um, the discomfort is getting up as soon as the alarm clock goes off uh, and moving toward that discomfort. Um, so I think asking myself, am I moving toward comfort or discomfort on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. Um, the discomfort that. is where you're going to grow. Yeah. Almost no matter what, what the, what's the situation is. Well, and, and then speaking on momentum, what you talked about earlier is like when you make the decision that the first time the alarm clock goes off, you're up, then mm-hmm. you've created one tiny little piece of momentum that then the right. next decision is like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I don't feel like doing right. this. This is going to be uncomfortable, but it's like, you know what? But actually it wasn't as bad as I thought it was earlier when I told myself I was too tired to get up with the alarm clock went off and right. you know, these little negotiations go on in your mind. I mean, I, I hear oh, yeah. clients and partners and investors talk about this all the time is like, ah, but I just don't really feel like doing that. And either they're saying that or they're saying it in their mind and mm-hmm. that's why they're not taking action. So it's just a great reminder that, you know, if you can go through discomfort, not only are you going to look back, you're going to be proud of yourself, but it's going to allow you to make, easier, uncomfortable decisions in the future, which really are not as uncomfortable as you are telling yourself that they are. Right. So it's like the workout, you know, you should go work out and you're like, uh, your mind will come up with four or five excuses in about two seconds for you not to go. So then you don't go. And then the next day you're like, man, I should have worked out. Like you don't feel good about it. You don't feel good about yourself. But if you push through that discomfort, go do your workout, just get it over with, then you feel great. Your body feels great yep. until you're like, yeah, I did I accomplished it? I did what I what I set out to do today. 
Yeah. Um, versus disappointing yourself. You know? Yeah, no, it's true. Um, you know, it's, it's, and the, the interesting thing is like, is like when you lose that momentum, you, this voice gets louder. And when you gain the momentum, the voice gets quieter. You know, I know mm-hmm. for sure, like we've been in the self quarantine and <laughs> you know, the gym is closed for me and it's like, eh, yeah. I mean, I could go out in the driveway and do a few things, but eh, I got some work to do. And I'd noticed mm-hmm. that if I, if I miss it one day, the next day, the voice is way louder. And it's the same <laughs> thing when it comes to doing a call, making calls, when it comes to mm-hmm. underwriting a deal, when it comes to, you know, whatever it may be. I mean, there's so many different ways. It's just like face that discomfort and just see, you know, how that turns out. But, um, I love that. Well, it's cause you're developing a new habit. You're, you're yeah. developing a habit of not doing something. versus doing it right that's true if you get up and do it you're developing the habit of doing it consistently or you're developing the habit of not doing it by not doing it if that makes any sense well and that (laughs) the reason why i ask the question the way i ask it about habits is because you do have the ability of developing conscious habits because Mm -hmm. most habits in our life are unconscious most of us aren't even aware of the fact that when you hop into the car your mind goes on autopilot and it's like, mm-hmm. I just put it in reverse. I back up, <laughs> I hit this. And then I put my seatbelt on. I look in the rear view mirror. I turn right, left. And then by the time I'm five minutes or 10 minutes down the road, I don't remember any of that because if your mind had to remember every single piece, every single action mm-hmm. that you did in a day, it'd be exhausted by the time 30 minutes passes. <laughs> right. And so obviously habits can can leverage so much in your life, which we love leverage from a debt perspective when it comes to real estate, a smart leverage, but you know, developing conscious habits is really how you, you know, leverage so much more in your life. So that's why I say, you know, develop conscious habits. What can you be conscious about? Um, Is there anything that you've changed your mind about recently, you know, over the past, call it, you know, five or so years that, you know, since you've grown so much that you've had to replace old thoughts with, with new philosophies? Um, not that, not that I can think of. It's a, it's a tough question. Um, it is a tough one. And the reason why I ask it is because, you know, I don't know about you, but like when I read a book as an example, there's sometimes where I have conflicting, there's conflicting information in the book or or Mm -hmm. say I'm having a conversation with somebody like yourself. And it's like, man, he's telling me all about self storage, but man, I'm a multifamily guy. He's telling me the self storage is the, is the, you know, the most recession recession resistant asset class, but I think multifamily is. And so maybe you challenge my thinking. So I was just curious Mm -hmm. if there's been anything, and obviously that's a a different example, but um, if there hasn't been anything, I was just curious. Not, not that I can think of in that context. Um, Yeah. I I mean, I think I've just been trying to, to back to what you were talking about unconscious um, habits and, you know, on autopilot, I think, most people live their whole life that way, you know, kind of yeah. like, um, they're just like drift drifters, I guess. Um, one of Napoleon Hill's books, um, outwitting the devil. Uh, mm-hmm. Have you ever read that one? I have that right here in my desk somewhere, but I have not read it yeah. yet. Is it, is it, is it a good one? It's a good one. Read it many years ago. Um, but he talks about people just drifting around and that's the devil's greatest tool is to just have people drift around and go through their life like autopilot. Cause that's how he kind of controls them. Right. So Interesting. Um, the key in what I've tried to do is break that cycle um, and start making conscious choices every day and live life 
more deliberately versus on autopilot. I love it. So talk to me a little bit about lifestyle design that you alluded to just briefly earlier. I'd Mm -hmm. be curious to know, like, what does that look like for you? I mean, you're in the process of continuing to build that, but just give us a little bit of a look behind the curtain there. Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to develop that. Um, But you know what? I guess lifestyle by design is I want a business that, you know, which I've created at this point, uh, me and my team that can produce residual income, not passive. Cause I don't think anything is truly passive necessarily. It's yeah. residual. <laughs> so it'll come in every month. Um, that creates a lifestyle where, you know, if I want to, like I said earlier, if I want to pick my son up from school and take him to a park or, whatever I can do that. Or if I want to take my family um, to Hocking Hills, you know, Southern Ohio this weekend and rent a cabin for four days, I'm going to do that um, and create experiences for me and my family. You know, that's what um, people remember our experiences, you know, more than anything. And I think real estate, that's what I love most about real estate is that it can provide that for anybody that's willing to put the work in, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that's, I guess that's what I was talking a little alluded to a little bit earlier is that, you know, you can get so uh, caught up in your goals and trying to achieve, 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 achieve. And you have to go back to what were you getting involved in this in the first place? And me, it was to create a lifestyle by design where I can have more free time and do more of what I want and maybe pick up some other cause that I can go after or help people in, in some way. Um, but I can't do that if I'm constantly, if I build some monstrous business and it just con- con- cons- consumes me uh, totally, um, I think it could be difficult to do that. And I don't know if I necessarily yeah, want that, right? Yeah. Um, so no, I love it. I mean, people, people just forget about the outcome. You know, you get right. so tied up in the weeds of, well, you know, my goal is a thousand units this year or, mm-hmm. you know, it's this much in acquisitions and whatever it may be. Um, and you just forget about, well, at the end of the day, this is a vehicle. I, I just right. always have to remind myself and other people I work with is that the vehicle is real estate and the outcome is what we're talking about in a lifestyle by design. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that elevate, you know, the concept that we talk about is if you can grow yourself as an individual, if you can grow yourself as a leader, as a connector, as a network builder, as well as somebody that can develop the systems through real estate to provide practicality in your life, that's when you can elevate to a life without limits. And so that's exactly what you're doing. And and I admire it. And I'm super grateful to be able to spend time with you. And uh, I want to be respectful of your time. And I want to transition into what we call the rare air questionnaire. This is our kind of rapid fire section. Um, you know, it's really all about elevating to a life without limits, pushing those boundaries and continuing to scale, uh, beyond where we thought we could yesterday, beyond where comfort lies, of course, um, as we mentioned earlier, but, uh, you've talked a little bit about books and I know you're, you're a big reader, whether it's, uh, physically reading or audio books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are two or three of the most impactful books that you've read in your life and, and why? Um, I've read a lot of the same books most of your listeners have probably, right? Like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Think and Grow Rich and all that. Um, yep. So I think those are a given for most people in business for sure. Um, but I'd say a recent book um, has nothing to do with real estate. It's um, Eckhart Tolle, um, The Power of Now. Yes. Um, and The New Earth is his latest book that just came out. And he really talks about 
being present in every situation, you know, and how that's all we have is the present moment. The past is just past experiences that happen to you, but that don't exist anymore. And the future is just an illusion because it doesn't exist. The only thing that actually exists is what's happening right now. And trying to live my life that way um, for the past year or so, since I really come to those teachings and read some of those books, it's it's very enlightening um, to live life more consciously. Yeah, it is. And it's, um, it's a way to live much more, much less stressed. That's for sure. I read the power of now and I felt Mm -hmm. like it was like a recalibration of my soul, to be honest with you, because it was like, man, it's amazing um, how much we're living in the future as achievers or, you know, drivers that we're, you know, we got our goals, we've got our outcomes, we're looking for, you know, we've got that dissatisfaction of where we are and where we want to be. And there's that difference. Mm -hmm. But if you can combine that and say, you know what, I'm inspired by where I'm going, but I'm also living in the present and to realize right. that the only moment is now is a pretty profound thought. So yeah, I'm, I'm right. I can, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Talk to me about what's the, uh, you know, aside from what we've talked about today, what's the, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis? Boy. Um, I know a lot of people probably said this, but a, a solid morning routine, um, you know, being consistent with that is the tough part. Um, yeah. but you know, I'm, I'm up at 5am every day. It's when my alarm goes off and, you know, I work out, um, and meditate and try to read if I can and get in the office early. Um, that doesn't happen every single day, but it happens most days. Um, but having time to myself, um, which, this can be hard when you have kids at home and stuff too. I mean, once they're up, it's um, a little crazy. So um, if you want time to yourself, you have to create that time and you just got to get up early and just get it done. Um, but I yeah. can, t- I can definitely tell a difference in my day and how I'm thinking um, when I don't do my morning routine. Um, I just don't feel complete or I might, you know, if I didn't get a workout and get to meditate, I don't feel, I feel a little more on edge than if I was able to do that. Yeah. So I think just giving yourself a little grace and uh, giving yourself a little time to yourself. <laughs> and I think yep. this whole uh, coronavirus thing is forcing people to be with themselves because there's nothing else to do. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> a lot of people can't work. You can't go shopping. You can't do anything but sit in, inside or go walk around outside. And it's really given, hopefully, it's given people some pause and uh so they can recalibrate too, you know, and, and really realize what's more important in life. It's not yeah. work, work. There's more to life than that. No. And I love the thought of just prioritizing yourself, you know, because mm-hmm. throughout a lot of our days, you know, we're answering other people's questions. We're answering emails, we're taking calls, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, everyone else has an agenda for what their outcomes are, but if you can structure your day, you can really kind of prioritize well, what's a high lifetime value impact activity that I can do to invest in myself on a daily basis mm-hmm. and create that momentum over time as well. Um, because like you said earlier, you know, if you do it once or twice or for two weeks, yeah, it's going to, it's going to help, but it's not going to provide the, the lifetime impact that it would if you can be consistent. Um, right. so that's just how I kind of tie in both of these concepts is consistency on your habits and your routines as well are super important. So I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? Um, really just trying to give my time 
maybe to some people that uh, maybe in real estate and are not where I am now, um, you know, try to help them out, help them formulate a plan um, and kind of coach them along or be there as a resource if they need, you know, I, early on I needed that and that can be tough to find, to find uh, a mentor or just someone there by your side that's available to answer questions or go take a look at a property or help strategize with you. So I have a couple of people I just kind of help out from time to time with that. Um, try to get them, you know, to where they want to be. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, Alan, this has been an absolute pleasure. Really appreciate you taking time. Um, it looks like, um, for the listeners who want to learn more about your business, they can just visit premier storage partners.com. Is that correct? Yep. That works. Awesome, man. Well, um, you know, I really appreciate you taking time and I definitely want to encourage Elevate Nation to visit premierstoragepartners.com. We'll put a link there in the show notes. Uh, but you want to definitely re-listen to the show because there's a lot of tactics here. There's a lot of wisdom and repetition is the mother of all skills. So you've got to re-listen. You've got to apply this immediately, take massive action. But beyond that, you've got to share this with someone else. Who can you give to just like Alan just mentioned there in terms of sharing some information with someone else. So tag, you know, screenshot the show, tag Elevate Podcast, um, tag myself and tag someone else that you want to share this with because really you got to pay it forward at this point. And, um, you know, beyond that, look forward to uh, talking to you next time. And Alan, thanks again for being on the show. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.